Good morning, and the conversation begins as we ease on in to WIP Sunday here on 94 WIP. And regular listeners know I'm always enthused about highlighting Philadelphia authors, and this morning is no exception. I'm pleased to welcome here to WIP Sunday, Philadelphia author Janet Benton. Thank you, Peter. Good morning, Janet. Good morning. Now, your new novel, Lily DeJong, mm-hmm. what's it about? Who is Lily? Uh, Louis is a young Quaker uh, born in Germantown, Philadelphia. In 18, well, she was born in, oh, in, uh, I haven't figured that one out. Uh, it's uh, 1860 or 1861, something like that when the novel opens. Um, uh, the novel takes place in 1883, um, and she is... Um, unlucky enough to become pregnant uh, by a guy who uh, leaves town promising to come back or promising to send money for her uh, to follow him. And um, he doesn't, and she doesn't, or he, she doesn't know of him sending the money. He doesn't seem to be writing to her. And uh, she, her pregnancy becomes clear, and she is uh, forced out of her home and goes to a charity for unwed mothers in downtown Philadelphia. And while she's there, uh, has her baby and suddenly realizes this is no small thing, obviously, to give up a baby. I mean, she knew it was no small thing, but it became an impossible thing for her. And that's where her journey begins. Now, Lily, why'd you set the book in Germantown? Why'd you put Lily in Germantown? Uh, Well, I moved to the Philadelphia area about 20 years ago, and I have always loved history, but I had never been, I never lived full-time in a place where one could see it everywhere um, and where the layers were just as alive today. The top layer of life is just as alive as the layer of 200 years ago, and they're all showing at once. Um, I just found that really inspiring. And... For me, Germantown is the neighborhood that conveys that the very most. Um, there's so much of the past there, and the present is, is also very alive. Now, Lily was a Quaker? Yes. And the Quaker meeting kicked her out? Uh, well, they kicked her father out. She had the their family lost Lily's mother, um, and uh, very suddenly, and the father, her father, uh, began to kind of fall apart without his strong, very principled wife there. Um, he started to drink, um, and a, as was quite common then, a spinster cousin came to stay with the family to help them recover, um, and quickly the cousin and the father became romantically involved and married. Now, there are a lot of um, pieces there that violate the discipline, which is the set of rules that governs a Quaker meeting. Um, It's a set of rules that is in flux, um, you know, can be redefined by different meetings, but um, at that time, uh, one was not allowed to drink and one was not allowed to marry a cousin, a first cousin, and one was not allowed to marry before a year 
had passed after the death of one's spouse. So on those three counts, um, he was uh, treated with, which means he was spoken with privately. He was uh, called out in meeting as someone in need of repentance, um, and he did. He chose not to repent. So the next step would have been for him to get um, a letter of disownment, which he also could have appealed and chose not to appeal. Um, so Lily and her brother were not disowned, but they stopped attending. And to be an unwed mother in Victorian Philadelphia was not a positive thing, was it? No, it's hardly a positive thing today. If you ask a lot of women, it's still very difficult, but not like it was then. What happened when Lily went to the program for unwed mothers? Um, She met many other young women, uh, almost all of whom had stories far worse than hers. Um, She saw young women who had been raped by employers, by family members. Um, In every case, these women themselves were considered uh, the one who needed to be cast out and denied. Um, That I don't think is so different today. Typically when a woman undergoes a terrible experience, it's very hard for her to get justice. Um, So... But in these cases, these women were um, pregnant and had babies. And in order to be able to go back into the world from this shelter that um, was provided for them uh, by some charitable people, um, they have to decide what to do with their infants. And in almost every case, they um, they gave them up. So this I say that because... Uh, I can give that information because it's based on an actual institution that existed in Philadelphia at the time called the State Hospital for Women and Infants. Mm. Um, and I was able to access the records at the Pennsylvania Hospital Archives. Um, that's one of the amazing things also about being in this area, uh, just an embarrassment of historical riches in paper and um, microfilm and you know, also, uh, images and so on. And you're listening to WIP Sunday here on 94 WIP. My name's Peter Solomon. My guest this morning, Janet Benton, Philadelphia author, her new novel, first novel, Lily DeJong. Janet, I need to run a few commercials. Okay. But you stay with me because I'll be back in just a bit. Okay. The WIP time, 7.36. And we're back. It's WIP Sunday. My name's Peter Solomon. Now, for those of you who don't know, June is also Women's History Month, and Lily, while it's an act of fiction, is a reflection of women's history during the Victorian times here in Philadelphia. My guest, Janet Benton, has written the fascinating novel talking about the issues facing unwed mothers during that period. Now, Janet, what was the beginning genesis of the book? Every book begins with a little nugget of something. Yes, yes. Uh, strangely enough, that little nugget pulls all sorts of other things to it. Um, In this case, it was uh, having my own baby, which was, of course, much more than a little nugget. And then um, in that challenging time um, of transformation, I 
uh, read a review of a series of books called The History of the European Family, and I learned um, how common it was for infants to die as a result of prejudice against unwed mothers because there was no safe substitute for a mother's milk. So infants who were given up by desperate women um, would usually die. Um, and then I also learned about wet nursing. Sometimes these young women and others would um, take a job as a wet nurse um, with a wealthier family than their own um, in order to earn a living, um, though they were considered disgraced. Uh, this was the kind of job that they could be offered. Um, and also some of them tried to keep their babies. They tried to board their infant with a poorer wet nurse who was nursing more than one infant while they were getting paid better to nurse one infant in a wealthy family's home. Um, doctors reported at the time that this was essentially a trade of a poorer child's life for a wealthier one's life because usually those infants died. So that was all pretty devastating information to get um, when I had an, an infant at my own breast who I adored. Um, and it certainly wasn't unfamiliar to me that, um, you know, that, that preju terrible prejudice exists against all sorts of things connected to women's reproduction. Um, but this story felt like something I needed to tell, not only because these things happened in the past, but also because I really wanted to highlight the power of motherhood in general. Um, I think... You know, if women were in charge, there would not be a sports section in the newspaper, perhaps. There might be a parenting section or a motherhood section. That's how important it is to women. Um, it's perhaps the most undervalued work in our society is the work that mothers do. And I wanted to put readers inside of the experience of a mother who was struggling against difficult circumstances as most women are around the world and in our country, uh, in order to try to do the best for her baby. Now, you mentioned wet nursing, and in fact, to nurse your baby if you were middle to upper class was a peasant thing, wasn't it? Well, um, sometimes people had that attitude, yes. Um, there were many social reformers who, doctors and um, and. Uh, women who worked hard to try to overcome that and to convince women that um, it was okay to breastfeed. Um, sometimes, you know, according to the reading I've done, sometimes it would be the husband who didn't want the, want the wife to breastfeed because it would occupy so much of her time um, for such a long period um, and make her less available uh, in the bedroom. So, um, you know, there were a lot of pressures one way and the other. Does um, wet nursing fill into the story of Lily DeJong? Yes. She um, ends up, in order to try to keep her baby, she ends up becoming a wet nurse in a wealthy family's home. She does not know that... Uh, this is a dangerous situation to put her child in. She's she's assured that everything will be fine um, and quickly uh, discovers that the situation her infant was put into um, was not at all fine. Um, 
and uh, she just keeps having to work harder and harder to try to balance the needs of her employer and the needs of her infant, which again I think is a very common experience to women in a country where we have literally no government leave for um, parenting. So we're always having to pit the needs of our employers against the needs of our children. Amen to that. Now, you're up to something today at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and you're speaking at my favorite Victorian house museum. In fact, Philadelphia's only Victorian house museum, the Ebenezer Maxwell Mansion, aren't you? Yes, I love that museum. I have I have enjoyed many programs there um, that the director, Diane Richardson, has put together uh, over the years. And, in fact... Um, I'm so honored that she put an amazing program together after having read and loved my novel. Uh, she invited Robert Hicks, who is the director of the Motor Museum, to come and give introductory remarks uh, about the book. So he has read the book. They have even created a, an exhibit of artifacts connected to nursing and um, caring for infants uh, and childbirth which I'm really interested in seeing when I get there. I haven't seen them yet. And um, we'll be, so Robert Hicks is um, going to be talking for a bit, and then I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk some of the, uh, you know, background of the novel, some of the interesting things I learned about Germantown um, and Philadelphia, and I'll be reading also for about 10 minutes. I'll be reading a section of the novel, and then the novel will be for sale, and I'd be happy to sign it. And um, the Ebenezer Maxwell Mansion actually was in my mind when I described the mansion that Lily, my main character, um, goes to with the wealthy family for the summer, to where she's caring for their infant over the summer. They, have a, they live in um, Center City, but they go up to Germantown for the summer like many people did. And um, the Ebenezer Maxwell Mansion figured heavily in my mind when I was describing the house they went to. It was actually a much larger house that they went to, but um, in my mind, on the outside, it was the Ebenezer Maxwell Mansion. It's a big stone big stone mansion, very fanciful. Now, why are you doing it, though? I mean, certainly you want to publicize your book, but you could also stay home and play with your baby. <laughs> well, I no longer have a baby. It takes a lot longer than, uh, than that to write a book. I have a teenager. Um, but I'm, so I'm not sure what you're asking. Why speak at the Maxwell Mansion? Well, why not? Okay. No, I'm serious. What, what would be the reason not to? I can't. Well, I often ask authors why they put themselves out there because writing is such a solitary thing to be out there and then go public. Oh, I see. Um, well, actually, you know, for me, it's. Um, a wonderful thing to talk with people who are interested in history. Um, I really can't imagine a better place uh, than being in Germantown itself to talk with people about Philadelphia history since so much of the novel is set in Germantown. I'm really interested in finding out what other people know um, and what makes them care about the neighborhood, um, what their experiences are. Um, and, you know, for me, I guess I'm an introvert and an extrovert, so I'm capable of spending a lot of time alone writing, but I also really enjoy people. So uh, that part of it is, is a pleasure for me, actually. And one of the things that I find striking about your book, Lily DeJong, 
is you hit with a major publisher, your first novel. Yep. That's that's a remarkable achievement. Thank you. Well, you know, I'm a perfectionist. I work extremely hard. And so when I went out with some with it, it was it was something I had been working on for over a decade mm. uh, in the time that I was available that I was able to steal from paying work and my family, which was about eight thousand hours, I would estimate. Um, so it, I was intending to contribute a work of literature to the world, and I, I believe that I have. A second book in the word processing process? Uh, yes, yes. Um, I do have a second book. In, I, have, I have several, but I think one of them is, is insisting on being the next one. Um, it is contemporary, actually. It's not historical. Okay. Yeah. And I'd like to say thank you. To Janet Benton, her new book, Lily DeJong. And before Janet goes, I want to tell people again, she's going to be there today, 2 o'clock, the Ebenezer Maxwell Mansion, 200 West Topahawken Street. For those of you who know Germantown at all, it's easy to find. And you get a tour of the mansion. You'll hear the lecture. You'll be able to buy the book. One-stop shopping, folks. There is an admission cost. And if you want information, 215-438-1861. If you want to make a last-minute renovation, reservation, or you can just show up at the door. And the you, the yeah. event is going to be listed in the uh, Inquirer seven-day section this weekend, so there may be a fair number of people, which would be great. And also, if people would like to learn out, uh, more about my book and me, um, my website is www.JanetBentonAuthor.com. And if you go... And meet Janet Benton. Tell her you heard it here on 94 WIP with Peter Solomon. And also say hello to Diane Richardson, the very remarkable executive director of the mansion. She's done fabulous things with that place, and I admire her greatly. Yes, me too. Thank you, Janet Benton. I look forward to maybe seeing Lily DeJong someday on a big screen. Thank you. That would be a treat. And it's been WIP Sunday. Thank you, Janet. All right. Thank you. Take care, Peter. And stay tuned for Sports Talk with Sunny Hill. Always interesting and provocative discussion in the living room. Your opinion, Sunny's reactions, I know I'll be listening. Thank you to Phil Jackson, this morning's producer, and Ann Tideman Solomon, my dear wife and associate producer. Couldn't do this without either one of you. Nothing left to say, but enjoy this beautiful day.